Hello, thank you so much for listening to Exactly with me, Florence Given. Over the last 20 episodes of this podcast, we've explored five big themes from multiple different angles. Sex, social media, feminism, relationships and body image. And I've learned so much from all of my incredible guests. I'm happy to say that there's another season coming, so keep your eyes peeled for more information about that soon. Today is a really special bonus episode recorded at the podcast show in London and my first ever live recording. And if that wasn't exciting enough, I'm joined today by my incredible friend, Monroe Bergdorf. It's really such an honor and such a treat that I get to interview her and I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, this is my very first live podcast episode, and I couldn't think of anyone I'd rather have with me than my friend and one of my biggest inspirations, Monroe Bergdorf. Monroe is an icon. She's made her mark on the world in such a beautiful way. Monroe's personally opened a lot of doors for me and is someone who lifts others up alongside her as she rises. She's a model, presenter, author, and has an incredible podcast called The Way We Are. She's one of the most visible trans people in the UK and one of the country's most prolific activists as well. As a queer black trans woman, she stands herself at the intersection of many multiple identities and uses her platform to advocate for other marginalised people. Monroe is a patron of the charity Mermaids. She's an advocate for UN Women UK and last year she was added to L'Oreal's Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Board, mending her relationship with the cosmetics giant after they controversially dropped her from a campaign in 2017 for calling out white privilege and racism. Her achievements and her accolades are really quite mind-boggling. The structure she's challenged and the joy she's brought to the world. But at times that has come at a personal cost to her and I know that the last couple of years have been a real period of challenge and growth for Monroe. I want to speak to Monroe about so much and I'm sure we're going to cover a lot of ground today. I do really want to talk to her though about self-care and how to balance self-care with being an activist. I'm of the belief that a movement cannot be carried by people who are burnt out, depressed and exhausted. And yet there's this almost guilt and this pressure to constantly be switched on when you're an activist. And I think Monroe, over the years, I've just loved watching her journey and how she's grown with her platform and how she's grown on her journey as an activist. So I want to talk to her today about how she's found that balance and that journey that she's been on to get to where she is today. And here we are live at the podcast show. I'm so excited to uh, be with everyone here today. Um, Monroe, before I get into the conversation, I'm going to be asking you my five quick fire questions I ask all of my guests. Just say the first thing that comes to your head. Okay, oh God. Okay. (laughs) Question number one What's one thing that set your soul on fire? (laughs) Um, New experiences. Okay, what kind of new experiences? Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deeper, please. Um, I don't know, like things that just bring me pleasure. Like, it can be anything. It can okay. be um, just like seeing something that I haven't seen before always makes me feel alive. So, yeah. Okay, amazing. Next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, second question If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life, a look mm-hmm. that would define you forever, how would you want to be remembered? What outfit would it be? A really expensive high pair of heels okay I love a good pair of Louboutins okay gorgeous yeah not very comfortable yes. not very practical but it's how you want to be remembered but they look great yeah. and they make your figure look good so okay. I don't just know I heels? always feel I always feel cute <laughs> in a pair of Louboutins not all the time though just like every now and again and what would you wear with the heels or nothing 
That's a mood. Yeah. <laughs> How would you want to be remembered? Well, <laughs> naked in a pair of heels. Um, I don't know. Just like purposeful, but also knew how to have fun. Hopefully made people feel like they could do the same. Yeah, just I, I want to make people feel that they can be themselves and be multiple versions of themselves as well, not just like one version. Gorgeous. You've definitely already accomplished that, oh, so thanks. that's exciting. Um, okay, question number three. What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you? Kind of similar to what I just said. I think that we often think that someone is just, like, anybody can just be just, like, one version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And especially when somebody is, like, in the public eye, instantly we all have that, you know, impression of who we think they are. Yeah. And we don't have the backstory. We don't really know them. We don't see the wholeness of their identity mm -hmm. and, you know, their personhood. So, yeah, I think that people often project how what they think and who they think you are. Mm -hmm. So um, I often get that just because of, you know, what I talk about and what I've been through. I think a lot of people feel a closeness to my story and um, it activates a lot of feelings within themselves. So they often project that onto me. So I don't know. I think that people often don't think about the fact that I'm just like... You're a person. A person yeah. who goes down to Tesco in her... <laughs> Yes. in her pyjamas and a big coat mm -hmm. and like do you know what I and mean it's, it's, it's like it's, it's really confusing for people isn't it when they see you on Instagram and then they see you within it like a completely different context yeah yeah and it confuses people yeah that you're a person who needs to get milk sometimes yeah yeah <laughs> or your milk alternatives whatever you get thank yeah. god for Uber Eats yes <laughs> okay so next question finish the sentence I'm still a work in progress when it comes to when it comes to how I treat myself and how I speak to myself I think the thing with trauma and the thing with, um, you know, growth is that we're all growing from something. And I think that I often am very hard on myself when I'm not growing as fast as I want to or when I'm not succeeding in a way that I had envisioned. And I, I'm a massive perfectionist to my own detriment. And it's like awful for everybody around me as well as me. Yeah. So um, I think I, I need to like kind of just let go a little bit more and not be so in my own head. It's funny because when you say, you know, you feel like you're not growing at the speed you want to, from the outside, it would seem that you've exceeded any kind of growth that some people, even if we're just talking mm. like career-wise, like people would expect that you'd be so fulfilled. But again, that's the thing, isn't it? That you don't see, you just see the tip of the iceberg on social yeah. media. And for me, I felt most sad actually when I was overexposed and everywhere yeah. because of the contrast of what people expect you to feel and how you actually feel. It's really feel. difficult because there's no rule book you yeah. know like I haven't really talked much about this and like I found it quite difficult to talk about it at the time that it was happening obviously but I was on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine in January, but I, I was also in rehab. So yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. ha, uh, and like everybody's kind of like <laughs> thinking that you're on top of the world and like you're getting all these like DMs about how amazing it is. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, I'm just about to have therapy yeah. and I'm, you know, it's lights out at seven. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's tough because nobody really has the full story. Yes. And, you know, you can be on top of the world and still be in rehab for depression and anxiety. Yes. So um, I think it's, yeah, just a reminder of, you know, you need to like listen to your mind and your body and also, you know, trust in the fact that you may not feel how things look to other people. And it's kind of an isolating experience. Success 
this sounds really wanky. No, I know. But like success is a really hard thing to navigate because it comes with pressure. Mm. Not only the pressure (laughs) of what other people think your success is, but also you're like, well, I'm not fulfilled as I thought that I would be if I succeeded in this thing. So yeah, I think it's also just learning to enjoy it and enjoy the ride. Yeah. It yeah. does. It does mean being. This is supposed to be the quick fire questions where we say Sorry. one word to the answer. <laughs> I never like, quit. In, no, no. Never. <laughs> never. But why? Um, I will go into this more into the interview. But um, what you're saying then about success, it does actually require you to be isolated, at least for a little bit, anyway, mm. because it can be quite scary. All of a sudden, being everywhere and being overexposed. Yeah and not knowing people's intentions. And it's also odd when it's like a sudden change in yeah. your uh, success because you go from being like this very like, uh, living like the normal average life to like, I sound like that, you know, that Cheryl Cole um, meme where she's like, suddenly you can't get a pint of milk anymore at the <laughs> shops. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we keep going to about milk? said that. So. <laughs> um, but it's also, I mean, the thing about success is that you've got, it's so polarizing as well, isn't it? Because you've got like loads of people saying, yay, go you and like kind of you know cheering you on and then you've got the other side of people saying you don't deserve this so it's it's really really tough and then you're somewhere in the middle and you're like well am I like the worst person or like the best person and yes. like you're really in the middle it's like we're all you awful say, and amazing at the same time when you say going in the middle do you mean as like how good of a person you are or well do you, I think do you mean- we've all got the capacity to be an awful person yes and we've all been an awful person at one point in our lives yes. you know that's the whole thing about being a human being mm-hmm. is that there's dualities to our existence you know we've all acted in ways that we regret and we've all done things that are incredible that have made other people's lives easier mm-hmm. and I think in order to you know understand your impact as a human being you need to have understood like where you've grown from mm. and like I've done things in my life that I really cringe at but I also take massive you know solace in the fact that I cringe at it because I think that that's shown that I've grown from that person and mm. you know acting out of anger acting out of shame acting out of retaliation trauma it's you know it's, it's tough but the amazing part comes on the other side of that when you can look back at it and be just like I'm not that person anymore it's also not who you are that is a part of yourself and I think it's really good to surround yourself with people who can see that ugly part mm. and also give you the benefit of a doubt, benefit of the doubt. That's yeah. what I've needed. I've needed people who won't just um, cut me out at the first sign of yeah. me being a little bit messy. And it's my also definition, a lie, it is, though, it to is. kind of like cuts. Like I don't know. I feel. I feel like true friendship is being able to just like turn to your friend and just say, you're being messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're being Come real on. messy <laughs> and not just be like, you're done. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because like we've all been messy bitches at mm-hmm. one point or another. Yes. And I think it's really, you know, freeing to admit that you've been messy. Been a messy and, bitch. you know, be able to call your friend out and like for being mm. messy as well. I mean, how can we help each other grow if we're not being honest? That leads on to my next question that I ask all my guests. Um, You're even worse than than me at Trick Fire, (laughs) by the way. I thought I was bad. (laughs) When was the last time you majorly cringed at yourself? Oh, God. Every week. Every week. Oh, come on. Come on. I don't know. Just like little things. I think when you're a perfectionist, you want everything to be perfect. Every single frame of everything. And I think when your job is so visual and you're (laughs) confronted with your image all the time, like whenever I see myself talking in a video, I'm always like, I knew you were going to say that. that I knew you were going to say that because when we were in Sweden, you hated doing the face to camera bits on your I can't do face. I can't talk to camera. You're really good at it. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
you're really good at it. Yes. Because, yeah. like, yeah. I need to do everything about 20 times because I'm just like, no, I blinked wrong in that one. It's, or, like, no, or, I've got something on my teeth in that. And it's like, that's your tooth. And it's also, <laughs> and you're looking at yourself thinking, who the fuck do I think I am to talk to people? Mm. Um, it's something about um, that element of being an influencer or having, like, a public-facing job. Yeah. Is it actually takes so much courage to just extend your arm and talk to the camera. It's really scary the first time you try and it's do it. It's really hard. Yeah. I think also there's li- liberation in just being silly. And that's yes. really something that I'm learning as a control freak to just let go and yeah. like embrace being silly. Yeah. And I think like working in fashion really has like kind of helped me do that because they'll have you doing all sorts. Like I just shot this, <laughs> I just shot, did this sheet the other day. They were like, dance, but dance like you've got a box between your legs. <laughs> and you need to like pause each time that you've like gone on each foot so that we can get you, you like, so you're not moving too much, but you, we want your hair to move, but you can't move. And I'm just like. <laughs> and there's also, there's nothing more awkward than not cooperating with them because you're like feeling awkward. So yeah. like, you want to be the silly girl. You want to be silly. I don't, I don't know if I'm like, up for being the silly girl. The silliest. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> I'm gonna try and um, you know, just like play the role a little bit and just like kind of, you know, just let go a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. And how do you think you're gonna do that? <laughs> Florence Dora. <laughs> um, I don't know, taking your advice and just like, you know, just just throwing myself in the deep end in situations that I would usually overanalyze and, you know, recognizing when I'm overanalyzing and just like kind of just letting go a bit. Okay, so those questions were supposed to be really quick. So my next question was, Mamo, how have you been? But I feel like that's just... Oh, wow. <laughs> well, was that not even the podcast? No, this is going on the podcast, but it usually takes about two minutes to just like do. Okay, cool. Um, um, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, um, I'm finishing up my book, which is really Woo! exciting. And it's, been, it's taken me four years. I'm sorry if you pre-ordered it. Um, <laughs> So um, I'm really excited because it's actually much better than when you would have pre-ordered it. So um, it's much more memoir than it was originally. And the thing is, when I, this is like, not just an excuse, it's actually real. But when I got the deal, I was in such a different place than I am now. And so much has happened since then. And I've got so much more perspective and I've had therapy and I've, you know, crashed and burned and I've had, you know, fell in love and I've had all of these things that have helped me understand what my life has been. Yeah. And I've been able to see it more from like, from a bird's eye perspective. So um, I'm really proud of it. And I've got to hand it in on Tuesday. So... (laughs) Yeah, it's, 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 it's great. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling accomplished. Oh, amazing. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I've experienced a lot of full circle moments, I feel, this year. I just finished, well, I handed in my manuscript for Girl Crush, my fiction book, a few <laughs> weeks ago. So, yeah. <laughs> I've been working on it for the last year. It's my first time ever writing fiction. I've been writing um, for years and years and years, but it's my first time ever publishing a fiction book and I've never been so excited for something in my life. It's completely different to anything I've ever done before, which makes it really fucking vulnerable and really scary. But I love it. I mm. love the book. And I can't wait for it to be out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a really good place. I'm in a place now where my life is so rich and juicy yeah. that it feels like, yeah, really rich and juicy. And it feels like it's 
better than anything that anyone sees online, which yeah. is how I always want to have it. Yes. Rather than the other way around. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to like audibly yes with that, but yes. like that is so important. It's mm. so important that your life is actually better than how it seems online. Like my IRL is better than my URL. Mm. And, that, and, and, and that makes me feel, yeah, that makes That's me, book three. Yeah. That's book three. That book three. <laughs> <laughs> my IRL is better than my URL yes. by Florence Gibbon, my memoir. Um. <laughs> but not better than my JPG. <laughs> like um and it kind of has always been but but it's more it's just so juicy and so enriching and um I've taken I feel like I've taken a lot of time offline over the last couple years and it's I've just been focusing on what makes floss happy Mm. and not chilling out I've still been working my ass off but chilling out in terms of like you said about the perfectionist thing allowing space for myself to be human making new friends as well who are here tonight Um, (laughs) making new friends and being around people who don't expect me to be Florence Given, the perfect robot of a human who is like never gets anything wrong and people who love me uh, that I can be messy around. And my definition of messy is like completely different to someone else's, but as a perfectionist, that could be like literally making any any form of mistake Mm. and still having friends there for me. Um, So I'm feeling really good as well. Good, you deserve um, it. Thanks, Fave. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I want to talk a bit about our relationship origin story. Go on. Because I gush about Monroe behind her back all the fucking time. <laughs> any chance I can get. Because I want people to know that all they see of you is the tip of the iceberg. And that who you are off screen is even better than who Monroe is on screen. And I think you have so much integrity in the public eye with the work that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, with, 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 thank with, you. with the work that you do. <laughs> I'm getting to a point. So um, with, with the work that you do, but offline as well, you've helped me a lot. You've opened doors for me. And I've seen you go through so much publicly. If anyone knows Monroe, I'm sure you've seen everything that you've been through publicly in the press. And you're so fucking resilient. And still, you lift people up as you climb. And that's really rare to see, um, particularly because of all the intersections you face, all of the challenges that you faced. You're still someone who's always uplifting other people, including me. When I first met you, you introduced me to your management. And every time I see you in rooms with people, you're always asking them, do you, do you have this? Do you have the, you're always uplifting people. And I think as well as being an industry big sister, you've given me an, a good example of leadership. And that's that there's always enough room for other people. And I want to ask you, is this something that you do consciously? How do you do it? Because I just think it's a really admirable quality to have. And I, do you know that you do this? Or is just that, does it come naturally to you to always invite people in? That was long. I would hope that I would do it because I kind of feel like this is just how you should be and how what I would want. So like, I would hope that I do that, but it's not necessarily something that I do consciously. Okay. I guess I know what it feels like to not have that. And I wouldn't want anyone to feel like that. And I think, I don't know. I. Th- I, I like to think that I'm a pretty empathetic person. I can kind of tune into people's feelings. And I guess I react to it in a way that's unconscious a lot of the time. Like if someone is talented and struggling, 
then yeah. of course I'm going to help them, you know, get to where they need to go. Um, and, you know, introducing you to our, our management, our not management. my management, our management, <laughs> it was like, you know, just a no-brainer because, you know, I win if you win and, you know, we win together. It's really, you know, we do things that, <laughs> we do things that have a lot of crossover and mm -hmm. we're friends and, you know, why wouldn't I help you? I just don't understand the whole idea of, you know, pulling up the ladder because you, you're scared that someone's going to steal your shine. Like, there's no way that I could steal your shine. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you could steal mine because yeah. we're, we're so different. Yeah. And, you know, but also, I don't know. I, I just think it's just the way that we should behave. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I'm not really, I don't, you know, go around thinking that I'm just like, you know, giving all of yeah, these things no, to no, people. Of course. I just think um, any anytime someone asks me um, about, I, I guess I'd never had an example. Like you said, this is such a niche career path. Mm. There are no books on how to be an influencer, activist, author, yeah. writer, public person, talking to thousands of people a day. Like the responsibility that comes with that. Mm. Also as women, like we weren't allowed to speak like about our opinions 40 years ago. And now I've got Mike on the stage and I've got a book and a podcast. Like that's mental. Really? There's no, there's no, yeah. so do you. <laughs> so there's no, there's no like training that you have for this job. No. And so when I had you mm. as someone to look to, I just think it was really good for me to see and have an example of someone yeah. who does that. Well, the thing also is if you don't share it, then it's really lonely. Yes. I've never understood why you would want to just be like, not saying that I was on the top or whatever, but like when you are doing well, <laughs> what's the point in doing it alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's people that you know, I can see so many people that, you know, really benefit from listening to you and that are so empowered by your work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really, really important that if we can help amplify each other's work, then we do. And that's really what we should be doing as people that are living underneath, you know, these oppressive structures is sharing the things that we have yeah. because the way that these structures are set up is encouraging us not to do that. And not to talk to each other either. Not to talk to each other. Not, not on. only not to talk to each other, but to fight each other. Mm. and to see each other as having less in common with other marginalized communities than we do with, you know, the 1%. You know, all of these marginalized communities, we've got more in common with each other than we do with the people that are at the top that are benefiting, actually actively benefiting from our oppression. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. 
Was there a moment for you where you stopped giving a fuck? Was it this year? Sometimes I... Or do you still... Still, you know, you <laughs> I still love that. That's a such fuck. a soundbite. That's a TikTok soundbite. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes I give too much of a fuck. Yeah, I, I give too much of a fuck sometimes and it kind of launches me into a spiral and then I, I get back into, you know, the the hole. Yeah. Um, but that's depression. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... But in general, I, I don't really give a fuck about what, you know, quote unquote men think or what men. <laughs> um, men. <laughs> as a concept. <laughs> or, Is there actually people? <laughs> men. Uh, <laughs> or um, I don't know. Or, or say, you know, Again, the stru- like structurally, I don't really care what, you know, the patriarchy thinks, what, you know, white supremacy thinks, what, you know, the rich think. It's, it's really important that I have worked to care more about what I think. And I think that that's really where I struggle. Okay. I used to struggle with what do other people think of me? Okay. And then my struggle now is like, what do I think of myself? Yeah. Like, am I being too hard on myself? Am I doing enough? Am I doing well enough? Am I comparing myself to others like that spiral? Mm. So that's where my battle is and being kind to myself. And do you think, do you think that that comes with, when you say- I love that, yeah, by the way, that was so cute. I struggle how I feel about myself, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's tea. I think that, you know, that's the real battle, isn't it? I mean, it's it's one battle, like, Mm getting past what other people are saying to you, but then it's the other battle because you've internalized those voices as your own. So you start speaking how you've been spoken to. And that's really hard, but that is also reframing it to think of it that way. You can start hearing that voice in other people's voices, but like they're not actively saying it to you so you can distance yourself from it. So I'm just trying to really, you know, start recognizing familiar patterns. Like I'm in a non-monogamous relationship um, and it's really, really amazing. But for instance, I often find myself approaching it based on how I've been treated in the past with other relationships. And I think, I do the same thing with, you know, success because I get scared that this is going to be taken away from me or this is going to be, um, you know, a situation is going to occur because it's happened before and then I won't enjoy the moment. Okay. So I think, you know, the battle really is internal these days. I mean, I don't give a fuck what these people think about me. (laughs) Not you guys. Not you guys. Well, you know, what other people just walking down the street. Yes, okay. What people who (laughs) might say things might think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you feel like, you know, you spoke about having these voices in your head about like what people think and Mm. what does Monroe think of herself? Do you think that that's been exacerbated because of social media? Because there are so many voices of people telling you who you are. And also, Mm. the both of us have created personal brands almost completely organically just by saying what we think. And I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like if I say one thing, like human beings do say things and have opinions, mm-hmm. then maybe six months later, I change my opinion on this. Yeah. It's then 
you're almost held to this thing that you maybe said six months ago or and it's not even a problematic stance it's just your mind has mm. changed on how you uh people ask for my opinion on things a lot and then i'll yeah. give it and then it'll change the next well, day this is why i got rid of twitter because i was like okay. i just need to get rid of the yes. evidence okay. I, yes. I need yes exactly. i need to just yes. think these things and then come to it without you know keep like a stream of consciousness i just don't know if it's like you know people just pulling up the receipts about what you said in 2016 like you can't yeah. change your mind and yeah. it's like do you find it harder hard. to evolve i don't necessarily think for me it's been social media i think for me it's been the media but obviously the press yeah that's that's just a personal case but also in addition to that i think the real damage to my personhood has become seeing myself as a brand because i'm not a brand i'm a person yeah and when you start packaging yourself as a consumerable product it then you start going down the very slippery slope of performing yourself and when you are performing things that are so heavily intertwined with your trauma the line blurs between your personhood and your trauma and then before you know it you're like who am I? And this then is who I am, the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then you're back in rehab. Yeah. So <laughs> Don't make me laugh at that. <laughs> if you can't laugh about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it it's tough because it's it's you know, you don't want to be defined by the bad things that have happened to you. You want to grow from them. And I think one of the hardest things um, about doing the work that we do is um, you start becoming defined by you what other people think about you you know, what other people think you represent, um, what you feel you represent, and then also having to do it for, like, money. Yeah. It's, it's hard because I didn't get into this doing it for, for um, you know, money or people, yeah. you know, buying into me. So that kind of grappling with that is tough. What ways then, and I don't even know the answer, I don't mm. have no idea to the answer to this, but what ways can we allow ourselves to evolve and still express our opinions online? Mm. Because without just shutting up, because like you deleted your Twitter, I did because of that, and it's so fun. I was saying, to well, it was, it was mostly from like the abuse, yeah, and I know that I know. kind of thing. So, yeah, and also just I didn't really like what it was doing to democracy. I mean, social media is so important, but we also need to understand that it isn't reality, yeah, and context often doesn't exist on social media, and you know, people can read the same sentence literally the same sentence and come to different conclusions about what that sentence means or how that person was speaking it or yeah. you know whether or not they had a smile on their face or whether or not they were fuming yeah it's fuming yeah exactly so it's it really is so subjective and I mean that's why I love podcasts yeah I was just about to say that <laughs> because it's you know you can really get into it and mm -hmm. you can you can tell someone's tone you can you know unpack it you can you know come at it from so many different angles it's just a little bit more in depth than say you know a th I don't know how many characters I can't remember yeah. are on Twitter <laughs> but um, it's it's much more in depth so I don't know I think we need to really reignite 
the the art the conversation and I think that platforms are really going towards that mm. I, I, I love photos and I loved when Instagram was photo a photo platform yeah. but like everything is really going towards video now so I think maybe we can you know reignite that communication with videos and also remixing the videos so yeah it's a lot harder to be taken out of context on a podcast isn't it yes like you, you, you you're allowed to follow a thought through so you could say something and then back it up with yeah. you know context and nuance mm. and I feel like what is lost on Instagram is context and nuance because you are yeah. trying to grab people's attention with something and then that's when like you said people people can project their own thoughts and their own feelings I might upload a selfie and someone replies to it saying fuck off and it's like that's not anything on me like fuck off you're so annoying wow. um and that's nothing i just uploaded a selfie because i thought it looked really fit and then there's loads of people yeah whatever but it's like it's nothing to do with me but yeah. all of a sudden this dump of negative emotion mm. has been like landed in my inbox like a stinking pile of shit yeah and then you're left to deal with it and it's a bit like when you're driving in traffic and someone's having a bad day and then someone like Th throws you the finger or like tells you to fuck off or something and then they just drive off and you're left with those emotions yeah, so many people telling you to fuck off yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow yeah not not so much anymore um because i stopped like in get well that's another thing about social media i used to really get fired up and mm. react to everything yeah. if there was some sexist like uh thing going on i would be like reposting it sharing it uh reacting 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 and then a couple days later it might turn out it didn't even happen. Mm. It didn't even happen. It was taken out of context. That's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing to spread misinformation. I like to sit on things now. I like to... Yeah. yeah, rather than just playing into the outrage of it all. I think also you need to like kind of think about, you know, how is me kicking off about this thing actually going to change anything? Or could I be providing my followers with tangible resources to make change? And it's, you know, one thing just like posting about something that you hate is another thing trying to change a thing that you hate. So, I mean, just that's what I was really focused on with my activism over the last year is tangible resources mm. and solutions. Yeah. Because there's so much to be angry about, but people often don't know how to change things. So yeah, less outrage, more tangible resources. Mm -hmm. Have you reacted less on social media? Do you yes. feel, yeah? Yeah. The thing that was concerning me about being so reactive to things on social media is, who was it benefiting? The only people that it's really benefiting are the platforms because of the engagement and you know the, the outrage is clickbait. It's profitable. And it's profitable. So we really need to think of different ways on how to broach and, you know, approach subjects. And I think that that's really about organization. Mm -hmm. It's about solution forming and, you know, sharing resources. Um, and also, you know, do it, taking it offline. Yeah. It can't just all just happen online. I think that take that outrage and, you know, if, if you want to protest, then protest. If you want to organize on a community grassroots level, then do that. Mm. Even if you just want to, you know, take, the, take it into a conversation, have a real life conversation with people, then do that. You know, activism can be as big or small as, you know, you can manage. But, you know, don't just keep it to outrage on reposting something because it actually doesn't do anything. I was going to ask you, how do you relax? Because all of this, mm. we've, it's, all the stuff <laughs> we're talking about, it's quite exhausting, all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, but I know that you have entered your 
not completely relaxation era. You're writing your bloody book. No, and this I know is actually like. my relaxation era. It is. It's officially my. It is. Re- yes, Gorgeous. it is. It is. I'm in a really actually. I'm in a really good place actually. I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in love. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel re- I, I feel pretty good. Mm. Um, but not just that like I've fallen back in love with my own life yeah and I've you know as as great as like my partner is like actually no let me give him full credit like (laughs) he's actually kind of (laughs) he's actually he's been a massive reminder that I don't exist here to work Mm. I'm actually here to live and, and to um, enjoy living. And to enjoy living, to yeah. be present. And, you know, just meeting someone you who, when you're around them, you forget that you've even got a phone or that yeah. you even, you know, I forget that, you know, other people see me as they see me. Like he, he kind of, he, he knew of me before we started dating, but there was no expectation there really. And it's just really, really nice. But um, so relaxing, I really plug into the people in my life, the people that remind me of why I'm here and it's to experience things. It's to make people feel better than before they came into my presence. Mm. This is my relaxation era. Next year is not gonna be. (laughs) This is book tour time. Yes, me too. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then there's other projects as well, which I'm very excited about that I can't tell you about yet. That's amazing. But yeah, Yeah. so yeah, yeah. I'm just taking the most out of this year to just, you know, just live. Mm -hmm. I feel like though with with activism Mm. and with joy, people think Mm -hmm. they can't coexist. People think that you need to be constantly angry, Mm -hmm. constantly upset about things, but a movement cannot be led by people who are constantly exhausted. Exactly. And you need to refill yourself. Yes. And that's what I love to see you doing for yourself now as well. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. And I love everything that you're doing. I think that, you know, the, the community that you've built, you guys, and, you know, the conversations that you have and just your willingness to, you know, be silly and be free and be, be open. And, you know, it's, it's really important. And it reminds me to do the same. I'm quite, you know, I can be sometimes the, the most stupid person and, like, I can also be the most serious person. And, that you know, those to be either is really exhausting. And, yeah. to, <laughs> and to just you know be free is um such a great message and i really think that that is you know what you do you, you're such you an individual <laughs> <laughs> you're such an individual and you're just you're you're a great friend and a great a great person and i'm so glad to be in your life oh thank you thanks okay what a lovely place to end we are now going to go to listener questions first question is from arlo who uses the pronouns they and he Hi. Hey. Um, As a non-binary person assigned female at birth, I find it hard to express my femininity. What advice would you give to a trans person who is trying not to give a fuck about what society thinks about their gender expression? It's, it's really, really tough. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, being hard on yourself about how fast you're growing and how, you know, um, how like recognizing where you want to feel, but also acknowledging how you feel right now. For me, a big weight was taking off of my shoulders when I just sat with myself and I was just, you know, allowed myself to grow and, you know, 
built my life into the life that I wanted it. And then the more, the better that I felt about my life, the less I cared about what other people thought, which allowed me to express myself more. And I always felt like I had to be, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a feminine person anyway, but I felt, and I do, I'm, I'm feminine because I wanna be, but there was a big part in my transition when, when I started that I was feminine because I felt I had to be. And you know, there's moments where you literally just wanna be gross in goblin mode. And <laughs> like, I would never allow myself to embrace the goblin and it's exhausting. <laughs> and I was like, the goblin just wants to come out. So I think just listen to your body, prioritize what your body and mind feels and just allow yourself to be, but also create the world that you want around you. And then literally you'll just blossom out of that. It's, it's really, really tough because no transition takes the path of anybody else's, but just listen to yourself. That's all that you can really do and then trust that things are gonna go the way that you wanna go. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks Arlo. I hope that makes sense. You got this though, you got this. Okay, next question from Sam Payne, brackets, Olivia's boyfriend. Hey Sam. Hiya, as a man in my day-to-day -day life, how can I be more of a feminist? I know it sounds like a really dumb question, but like, when I actually think about it, like, can you just like, just tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, just, just tell me. Give me the answers. Um, it's such a broad question. I would say that being a good feminist just comes down to being a decent human being. And I really appreciate you, first of all, saying that in a room full of largely women and queer people. And <laughs> just being like, hey, Sam, Olivia's boyfriend. Um, is, is Olivia here? Hi, darling. Hey, hey, hi. Thanks for bringing your boyfriend. Gorgeous that he asked a question. Um, I would say um, it's the really basic stuff and I'm going to sound like an Instagram infographic when I fucking say this, but call your boys out, right? And just if you have male friends in your life, it would just be having those... Because when women have to call men out, there's a lot more on the line for us when we do it. We fear uh, their rage, we fear their aggression, we fear even just like being called a bitch. It, it, it can just be quite stressful. You're in a position where that relationship probably won't change. So I feel like when you're in a situation where... Uh, someone's being a bit of a dick or says something that's a bit out of line or is touching a woman inappropriately and is calling it just, uh, you know, this is just how I am, whatever you can say, you know, uh, yeah, I know, but it, it makes women a bit uncomfortable. And then also not, <laughs> then there's the other thing of like talking for women, which you don't want to do, right? So I do understand your position of it being quite confusing about what's right and what's wrong. And I really get that because um, you don't want to speak on behalf of women. I would be quite annoyed if I had a man tell me, no, 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 that's not feminist. <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, a man has called into my podcast once saying that, He's read so many books on feminism that he knows more about feminism. <laughs> and I was oh, like, wow. okay, 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 cool. You know the theory, you don't know the experience. Yeah. So there's those two things that I feel you need and that's something that you will always lack, but you can witness it with the women in your life, with the queer people in your life. I think it's just being open to being corrected. And when I say that, I don't mean like be ready for like and treading on eggshells because I don't believe anyone should be treading on eggshells around any topic. Um, and that's not how I want people to feel, especially when they're around me. Um, I don't people to feel like fuck, I can't say anything around floss because she's a massive feminist and panic I want people to be able to relax around me and also just be open to me going 
don't say that. Like, that's not, you know, that's not cool. And also being open to it myself. That's what I'd say. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I think you, you really got everything in there. Okay. Um, I would completely agree with the calling out your bros. I think it's, you know, that is half the, I mean, it's more than half the battle. It's like 80% of the battle, isn't it, really? Yeah, I'd probably cry it's, if I saw it happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my God, well. <laughs> it, it's so important. I think, you know, that... The fact that men will listen to other men more than they will listen to women, and I think a lot of men actually care more about what other men think about them than what women think about them, unfortunately. So I think, you know, utilize that power and that, you know, brotherhood and have, sorry, you need to stop. Um, and, Brother. you know, just have a conversation and just call, call each other out. It's just really important. And then hopefully we can actually, you know, make some progress. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for asking, Sam. Cheers. Give thank it up for you. Sam. <laughs> okay, we have another question here from Maddie. Hi. <laughs> By Hi. the way, you both look stunning. Thanks, <laughs> darling. Stay down. Um, so my question's from Monroe, really. I was wondering, when you sort of started embarking on your, your trans journey, um, did you feel socially pressured to dress in a hyper-feminine way? Like, how did you navigate trying to embrace your own identity, but also navigate, like, doing that in a world where you're constantly faced with the patriarchy and, like, bullshit? It, it's tough. I think you need to start picking your identity apart. It's like starting, um, starting to unpack why I am who I am and you know even your attractions and you know why do I present myself in this way and having like real conversations with yourself like I, I think that, that that has been one of the most liberating parts of my transition in thinking what is organically me and what is a manifestation of the desires of men in unpacking that, I've been able to become closer to who I actually am rather than who I thought I should be to attract a partner. And then also, you know, the, the benefit of that is then you actually have a partner that is actually good for you rather than somebody who is who you think you should be with. Um, or who society tells you is going to fulfill you, and then you start putting up with everything that you shouldn't actually put up with. I don't, I don't really know how to answer it for you personally, because I don't really, I don't know you as a person, and that it's different for everybody. But for me, it was really about the self work and um, not being afraid to pull myself apart, and that really is you know what a lot of trans people go through anyway because you you know you're constantly being told about yourself oh my god that was so incredible i love doing a live show with you it was so incredible to meet some of you as well thank you so much to everyone who came and for listening in as well if you loved what monroe had to say today you can follow her on instagram at monroe bergdorf thank you again so much to everyone who's listened to the podcast i can't wait to see you again in season two and a massive thank you to the fucking incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for my podcast. You can find them on Instagram at blackhoneyuk and check out their latest album called Written and Directed. 
To keep yourself updated with all the latest episodes as they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take the time to rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review. It really does help people to find us and make sure that the people who need to hear these conversations do. This is a podcast from something else. My producer is Millie Charles. My assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mail. Production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to our engineers, Jay Beale, Josh Gibbs, and mixing engineer, Gully Lawrence Tickle. An additional production from Chris Skinner and Teddy Riley. Hold up. 